Jordan is on best. Harper's on middle. Welcome to another edition of the Indie Cornrows Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Schindler. Uh, before we get started, I just want to remind you really quick, if you have not already, please be sure to go rate and review on Apple Podcasts, subscribe on, on Spotify, and uh, anywhere else you can get the Indie Cornrows Podcast. I would really appreciate any feedback or, or ratings or anything just so I can know uh, how, how you're thinking of the podcast, if you're enjoying it, anything that you think I could do better uh, to make it more enjoyable for you. Um, because that's what I do it for. I mean, I love the Pacers. I love covering the NBA and, uh, I want to make this the best Pacers podcast that there can be. So, uh, definitely shoot me any feedback or, or anything that you have, especially with the season closing. Uh, we will not be stopping any podcasts. I promise we have a lot of exciting stuff coming up. I'm not going to talk too much about it, but there we're not going away anytime soon. So don't worry about it. Um, so first of all, getting into the game, I'm not going to go super in depth with the game today. I, Obviously, the Pacers lose. Uh, they've been swept out of the playoffs for the fifth time in, in a row, which is obviously not great. <laughs> Difficult to talk about, but we'll get into that. Um, so, Miles Turner had actually a really damn good game last night. And outside of the first game, I'd argue he was maybe the steadiest Pacer in the entire series. Uh, he played really, really good defense, uh, was solid on offense. He just still was not, you know, I wrote an, an article on it, but he still was not getting the ball in his places until last night, just kind of out of desperation. And he performed really well. Um, uh, Victor was decent. I think he showed the most pop that he showed this entire series. Um, but at the same time, his handle is just like really weirdly not there. Um, and you can tell he still, he doesn't have his legs under him, like his upper body and the rest of his, his mind is going faster than his body can keep up with, or it's making moves that his body can't keep up with. And you notice that I, there, it was in the, I think it was in the second quarter or it might've been, no, yeah, it was second quarter. I think like probably three minutes in, um, Victor turns the ball over cause he tries to cross over, hit bangs his knee with the ball. Um, and the, he ended up going, get scoring quick in the fast break and it goes to timeout. And you can see Vic is just so frustrated. I don't know if anybody else noticed this, but he's frustrated. He's by uh, by the sideline, um, far sideline from the team. And he's like fake dribbling between his legs because he doesn't have the ball. And you can tell he's like going through in his head. Why did that happen? Why did like he, he was just kind of aghast. He didn't know why that happened. And it, that's, just, that's just an ind- indicator to me of how clearly Vic is not himself right now. And I know I've talked about this a ton, but Vic is just so far from being the player that he was. And that's not a knock on him. He's worked incredibly hard to come back. And I know he's still working hard to, to get back to the level you can get to. Um, but I just, I always want to reiterate that Vic was not himself this series. And that, again, not trying to create excuses, but it's important to realize. Um, and it's something that's going to be very key for this team moving forward. And, and especially looking at the off season. Um, overall, you know, I think this, the offense was uh, again, very indicative of how it was last season. There wasn't a ton of the weave going on again today because Jimmy Butler went out in the, in the second quarter and did not come back. So his defense wasn't as prevalent, but the Pacers were still struggling to, to generate any points in the half court. Um, so 
it just felt very my turn, your turn. And what I mean by that, you look at, you know, uh, with the way everything ISOs, you know, everything ends up in an ISO, the first or second action die, and then it goes into an ISO uh, with, you know, 15 or 10 seconds left on the shot clock, which obviously is not good because we don't have anybody who's an incredible ISO scorer. Um, I actually was talking to somebody about this on Indie Corners in the comments. And I apologize that I haven't gotten back to you yet. Uh, I've been crazy busy the last couple of days. But, you know, TJ Warren is a very good creator. He can create his own shot, but not, you know, he's not a guy who's really great at coming from the top of the key or from the perimeter and coming into his own shot. He's good at getting set up into a shot, you know, in the mid-range. When he's in his spots, he's really good at creating his own shot. I think that's important to to note. He's not a guy like, I mean, it's disingenuous to say LeBron, you know, that's not a knock on TJ. Nobody's LeBron, um, but he's not a guy who can like just completely create his own shot from anywhere on the floor. He can create his own shot, but he needs somebody to set him up a little bit still. He, and he showed more in the bubble where he can create his own shot, as we saw, you know, out of the pick and roll. And um, of course, above the break, the explosion he had uh, in the seeding games. But, you know, that's not who he is completely yet. He's still working on that. And we, it would, you know, was, I talked with Caitlin Cooper and Tom, uh, the, I think, two pods ago. Um, it's <laughs> We can't expect him to be doing that all the time uh, just right now. I think that he's still got a lot of room to grow, and we're, we're going to be seeing that. Um, but then Malcolm Brogdon, this kind of brings me to a point. I, I We're going to have, like, entire podcasts talking about this, I promise. Um, but... I just I think Malcolm is really good. He's a very good player. He's a huge signing for the Pacers. But at the same time, I just I don't think that he is the point guard of the future. Um, and that's not to sound harsh. I think he should be on. The, he's going to be on this team moving forward. There's no reason that he would be moved on from. He's a very good player. Um, but as we saw with, you know, I mean, his shooting percentages all dipped. His efficiency dipped, and. That was because this was his first time in a really heavy on-ball role. And he was good. He was, he was very solid. He played really well. Um, but at the same time, I just think if this team's going to reach their heights, this is something I talked about, um, there's not a lot of guys who can create their own shot at an efficient level. So Malcolm was creating his own shot a lot. Vic was trying to create his own shot a lot. And it was you know, to uh, varying effects. There's not somebody outside of Domas no one on this team is really elite at setting up their teammates. And I think that's uh, when you don't have a top flight, top tier guy, that's that's difficult because especially when you're in the half court and you need to get TJ to his his 14 footer. Um, Domas is, is huge to that, especially with the screening and his ability to just kind of operate from the elbow and get guys open with his own gravity. Uh, because we saw that as my dog squeaks in the background, as we saw that. I mean, Malcolm does not have the gravity to do that. Vic did not have the gravity to do that. So you can't really force guys open or get guys to their spots with the the handles and, and the gravity that they have. So, I mean, Malcolm has a good handle, but he doesn't have the burst to just totally warp defenses, right? Um, and that's not to say that he's a bad point guard or that he's bad at getting to the rim. He's very good at getting to the rim, but he's not doing it in a way that's going to con completely contort the defense. And even if he does... He's not making elite reads that are going to break down a defense. And I mean, he can break down a defense, but I just mean when it when it gets to being in the half court, uh, you know, shot clock winding down just late in the clock, defenses are really honed in. It's hard for him to, to really bend the defense to his will. Um, and again, speaking on the my turn, your turn, it felt like him and Vic just never really created a synergy. And I mean, they played less than 40 games together. So, you know, that's. 
I think they played less than maybe 30 games in total if you include the playoffs. But that makes sense. You know, it's hard to establish that, especially Vic was a tier one guy, um, or at least for the Pacers he was. I don't think he was quite in, you know, tier one. But uh, alas, looking at 2017-18, he was that guy who was really able to create his own shot and and be the, the top role on the team. And right now I think we're seeing there's like three or four guys who just have very unestablished roles. And that's not... I don't think that's an indictment of coaching or the players. It's just they haven't had enough time all working together to figure it out. And we saw that in the regular season when Vic came back. The team had really been clicking on all cylinders, and they go on that six-game losing streak. And they they were able to right the ship after. But then again, you that you only play like eight or nine games after that. So you don't have um, all the time under your belt to keep working that in and, and A, working Vic back to a place where he's healthy Um and just making everything work together. So I think that's um, that's something that, that we definitely saw in the series. And again, it's not trying to create excuses. Um, getting to the next kind of talking point, I want to talk about Nate really quick, um, especially looking at this team and being swept for the fourth time. Uh, I mean, the fifth time, the third time under Nate. Um, it's I am not going to, to waive my point. I, I still think that this team... Did not have the firepower to win this series. Um, if Sabonis is back, if Jeremy Lamb is back, you know, that's different. Um, but, I mean, we saw the bench was just a total non-factor without Sabonis. We saw it in the seeding games, and we saw it in the playoffs. Um, so I don't think that's necessarily an indictment of coaching that's hard to fix on the fly. And also the bench is entirely built around Domas. Um, so that is one factor right away. Um, again, we already mentioned the playmaking and the, the play gravity uh, with the starters. And then going back to Nate, um, I don't really think, I mean, there were moments where I think he, he got out coached a little bit, but it, he made adjustments, but at the same time, he just couldn't find an answer. Um, and I, again, I still think that partially that's coaching. I mean, you got to be able to find an answer. You got to be able to make adjustments that help you win. And I, um, I, I did not expect the Pacers to win the series, but again, I did not expect a sweep. Uh, I thought this team was um, definitely more talented than a sweep. Um, but I, again, we saw all those glaring problems come through and it's, it, it's hard to say that it's not a reflection in eight. Um, and I still think that he deserves this next year. You already got the extension. So he's not, I, I think it'd be, I'm like 96% sure that he's not going to get fired. Um, but I do think that you look at the one series when they did have everybody together in in 17-18, and, I mean, they were competitive. They almost beat the team that went to the finals. You can Again, you can mention how terrible the Cavs team was in reality, but, I mean, they had LeBron James. They were markedly better than the Pacers. They had three of the four best players in the series, and they made it a series. And you can, you know, you know I think that's important to look at. Um I still, you know, I'm always going to say that last year, if you thought that team was not going to get swept, you're a little bit outside your mind. Um, but I still think so much just boils down to injuries and not having the two best players in the series. So while I do think the Pacers should have won a game, like it, the, that they didn't win a game is just kind of mind-blowing, not to be dramatic, but I mean, we watched this team play all year. Um, again, not this iteration of the team, but... I don't know. It just really brings into question, if you have this full team, what what does it look like? And I think having Jeremy Lamb and Demonis Sabonis makes a huge impact. And I, I if, if we had Sabonis and Lamb, I think this team wins the series, honestly. I don't know 
that Miami has the weapons to control that. Because I think where this team relies so much is not necessarily to say depth is the wrong way because then you think of the bench, right? If you have Sabonis and Lamb finally coming off as a six-man, he really didn't get to play as a six-man much of this season. The Pacers have depth at the top end, right? So obviously they don't have quite the top end talent. I still am adamant about that. I think Bam and Jimmy are by far the two best players in the series, even if Domas is. And I think Bam is a level above Domas. There's equivalent in terms of passing, but Bam's a better athlete. can run the floor, which I'm not saying that makes him a better player, but it just adds new dimensions to to the heat. Um, Bam was by far the best defender in the series. I think he's a better defender even than Jimmy is. Um, so that was a lot of, of difficult stuff to contend with when you don't have those top end guys. So what I'm saying though, the Pacers rely on having that top end depth. So when they have like six or seven guys who are technically like starting level players and you have one guy who's really an all-star in Domas, um, and some guys who are borderline all-stars. Um, but again, I still think it's just so much of having that synergy between your top guys. That's how you beat if you're going to win this way, which I still don't, I question whether you can actually contend without having a top. Well, no, I don't question it. I know you can't contend without having the top, top player. You look at the 04 Pistons. Uh, I'll say right away, Ben Wallace was a, you know, a top, top player. That he was the best player on that team, one of the best defenders of all time. Um, but looking at this team, if you're going to be a contending team, you know, making it to a conference finals, you have to have that top end depth and they all have to be working seamlessly together if you're going to take out teams that have better top-end talent. Um, so again, this is not me trying to create excuses. I'm just trying to be realistic and look at this. I do think Nate could have gotten more out of this team uh, in this series. I, I think a game, maybe even two, I really thought this should have been. A, it, but then again, even it was a tight series. Like outside of that one half in the game three, this is a really pretty tight series. Uh, and the, the Pacers, you just see, you don't have that shot creation. You don't have the ability for somebody to go get a bucket just automatically or get somebody to a place where they can get a bucket automatically. Um, you don't have that in the last two, three minutes of the fourth quarter, and that kills. Um, and I just I, I question how much of that is coaching and just personnel. And I, I, I'd say it's a blend of both looking at this team and, and the construction. Um, but... You know, going off Nate, um, again, I'll just say again, I, I think that he he deserves next year to prove himself. And if this team gets ousted in the first round, I think he's gone. Um, I, I love Nate. I think he's an incredible coach. Uh, and I think that he's a lot better than Pacers fans give him credit for. And I I really wish that we could stop the hashtag fire Nate thing on Twitter. I get being frustrated. I really do. But this team had a very, very good season. Um, and I know it ended in a way that's very bittersweet and you don't like. And I do think that the team got out coached to an extent. Um, but Nate is a good coach and he's made this a very good team. And, you know, we went from in 17-18, this team was going to be a rebuilding team. And I, I think his ability to help develop the players that were on that roster. And I, I know somebody's going to clap back and say, well, Dan Burke's the only reason that the defense is ever good. Dan Burke's incredible, but at the same time, you have to have a, a guy who's a really good culture setter and, and good coach to to get the buy-in that Nate's gotten from the guys. Um, so again, I think that it just it'll feed into the next part we're going to talk about with the offseason. But next year is the culminating year. You know, this is where we find out what this this team is. Um, what can they be? Can they be something moving forward? 
Um, or is there going to be, or are there going to be significant changes? And so looking at the off season, um, I think there will be significant changes and I'm not, I don't have any, you know, anything to aggregate there. Um, but I think it's pretty clear. We've seen that, especially in the front court, as much as, you know, I think miles and Domas each bring individual qualities that are spectacular. Um, but they don't work together at the highest level, and that's what matters. And I think this this playoffs was going to be a lot about trying to see if they can compete at the highest level. But I think it's also clear um, that this team has to make a move. And they if they are going to, A, I think they're going to have to keep Victor. Uh, I've talked about that before. I don't think that there's any way to replace him, um, even if you do like some kind of sign-and-trade or something for him. I don't think that there's any point in that. I don't think you're going to get a better player back. Victor being healthy and being the best player he can be is the best thing for this team. And I'm going to stand by that. Um, but I think either Miles or Domas will end up getting moved this offseason. And if not in the offseason by the trade deadline, uh, because this team is going to try and and, and restructure and be better. And um, I, I think that's just a clear and obvious thing that's going to happen. Uh, you know, I'm not Kevin Pritchard, but I think that that's it's it's the writing's kind of been on the wall with that for a while we know you know the numbers will back up this team is not turner and sabonis is not good against the top teams in the league they can compete and be very good against you know uh average to slightly above average teams um but against the top talent it just it doesn't work so obviously you know we'll, we'll have whole pods talking about where the team might go and how those things might work and we'll have more news coming out with that eventually i'm sure as the off season comes um but strap yourselves in because the next couple months are going to be a ride. Uh, as soon as the finals is over, it's going to be a mad dash with free agency um, and getting back into the swing of things with the offseason. Uh, it'll be just kind of an unprecedented time that we have not seen before, obviously. Um, I'm excited to cover it, excited to see what happens. I still, again, I just want to reiterate, I really think there's going to be a lot of changes with this team. Not in, you know, he, like, I, not like I think the whole roster is going to be completely upheaved but there's going to be movement um and i'm not sure how i'm not sure where um but it'll be uh it'll be interesting because i i, I still just want to say one last time this next season is the culmination of the last five years everything since the paul george trade uh you know i remember very distinctly when paul george got traded for vic and and domas and uh we were looking at you know this was going to be a quote-unquote retooling and, and rebuild instead of a um locking and loading to go back at it and, and be a, a solid playoff team again. And Vic and Domas and, and Coach McMillan and that entire roster just surprised us and was was different. I, I don't think anybody picked that team to win 48 games and uh, battle the Cavs in that series. Um, and it's just been kind of very uh, – obviously a lot of stuff has happened that is, has caused this team to not quite reach its pinnacle, but I think next year is it's where we're going to see that happen if it will happen. Um, so transitioning from that, again, we're going to get super in-depth with that moving on. Um, I want to talk about the future of the pod really quick. First of all, again, I want to reiterate, if you have not already, please be sure to, to shoot me any feedback or uh, rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Check us out on Spotify um, because I want to make this better. I'm going to be doing this next year and, and moving forward. I, I love doing this and I just want to make this better for you. I have a lot of stuff in the works uh, for hopefully in the coming weeks in this summer. Um, that I'm really excited about that I'm not going to share yet. Um, and lastly, you know, this is, again, this is just a, a quick pod. Um, but 
I want to say thank you to everyone who I've interacted with, both in the the Pacers, you know, media sphere and um, just the people who who watch the game, the fans. Um, it's been really fun. This is it's kind of crazy. I never. You know, I started my own blog last year, or I'll, I'll say website. I don't like saying blog. It's got like a negative connotation. It makes it sound like I don't actually work hard on it. Um, I never thought anybody would, would really read or write what I had to say. Um, and I, it, things just kind of picked up for me. It was really cool. And uh, I reached out to Tom one day just to see if they had needed any help at any corner us because I'd followed any corner us for a while. I'd been a Pacers fan growing up. Um, and I wanted to get more in, into into writing and, and, and podcasting. And I actually just reached out about writing. And Tom told me that you know he had a job offer as a pod, for a podcast host, and he he, he sent a, an offer my way, and that was really cool. And this has been an awesome experience. Um, my first year really covering a team and, and trying to be involved and um, have cool content out for people to want to listen to. That's informative and um, that's fun and engaging. And I just want to say thank you to everyone who listens and and comments and and, and even if you don't comment, I, I appreciate you listening. Um, this has just been really cool for me, and I'm, I'm looking forward to doing it again. I, I want to say thank you to everyone, and um, I, I don't know if you guys are even listening, but I just want to say, and I'll reach out individually, and you know already individually. A thank you to Tom so much for this opportunity. Um, I I mean this has done a, a ton for me. It's done worlds for me. I've talked to some incredible people this year. I talked to David West. I mean I talked to uh, I talked to Chris Herring, who's one of my idols growing up as a writer. I mean, uh, it's just a really, really cool thing. I, thank you to Tony East, who was the first person I ever to podcast with, um, the first person I ever talked to on, on Pacers Twitter and one of the first people I followed. And it, it's been cool because he's always helped me out and, and done a ton for me. Thank you to Jay Michael. Jay, Jay's awesome. I talk to him all the time. Um, I can't shout out everybody, but, you know, this has been cool. Thank you to Caitlin Cooper for always, you know, being willing to do a podcast with me and, um, just thank you to everybody. This has been really cool, and I'm really looking forward to, to doing more and being more, being better, um, and and making this the best damn Pacers podcast it can be, and uh, being the best Pacers cover that I can be reporter, whatever you want to call it. Um, but again, I've I've gone on long enough. Thank you, thank you for listening. Uh, in in closing, this team had a good season. Try and remember that. I know that the last week and a half has been tough but the seeding games were cool we had some incredible moments uh watching tj blossom into a two-way uh, a legitimate two-way player uh potentially showing flashes of what's going to come victor came back um he's still you know looking to find his feet um malcolm became a real credible player here he already was in, in milwaukee but he showed even more here there's a lot to be excited about with this team moving forward and i know it's not easy to remember that in the moment but be excited. I saw a lot of people talking about how they're they're just disappointed in the team and, and disappointed in, in everything. And I get that. I'm I'm disappointed that the team didn't win either. And I guess it's I'm not necessarily coming from a fan perspective anymore. Um, but I think that the guys are really good. You know, they're good dudes. They tried really hard this year. And that's not me trying to create excuses. I think that they could have done better. Um, but they have the building blocks in place to be something special. And they're working towards it. And, and I think that we can't discredit that. And so I think next year is going to be huge. Just keep that in your mind. Remember why you first started watching the Pacers. Remember why you love basketball. And um, don't stop rooting for this team because I think they're going to be very good next year. They're going to figure things out. Stay positive. Enjoy the rest of your day. And go Pacers.